0: Good everyone. It's uh, really good to see you all this morning. As we continue to worship now uh, through the reading of God's Word, I ask that you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31. As we've been going through the book of Deuteronomy, we have just a couple more uh, messages left, and we will um, have completed the series. We've been calling the Old School Gospel, seeing how the book of Deuteronomy leads us to joy in Christ. And so uh, as you turn to Deuteronomy 31, uh, let me pray. Uh, Father God, thank you for this morning Uh, God, a time that we could gather with your people, as your people, Lord, to proclaim your goodness to you and over one another. Uh, God, to celebrate the joy that in Christ we indeed are more than conquerors. We thank you for your grace and goodness to your people throughout all generations. And Lord, now as we uh, recount some of that through your word in the book of Deuteronomy and see how that points us to Jesus, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be here with us, stirring up our minds, attention, and hearts, affection toward you. God, that you would convict us of sin and brokenness and bring us to a place of repentance and joy in Christ. God, I pray that uh, would happen for your glory and our joy and that the gospel of Jesus Christ would advance from this place throughout our lives to the nations. We ask in his holy name. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 31, uh, the first eight verses say this. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og the kings of the Amorites, into their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to them inside of all of Israel, be strong and courageous for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. This is God's word. Friends, the grace of Christ Jesus conquers fear and supplies courage. And this is good news for us. As we see in these verses this morning, we see it's a story that is coming to a close for Moses. Moses has served the Lord in mighty ways for decades in leading God's people through the time of Exodus from Egypt to the land of promise over four decades, uh, about four decades here, and then we see that his time is coming to a close, and God is giving him instruction, and Moses in turn is giving Joshua and the people of Israel instruction with two major commands here. And these commands in Christ apply to us as well. The two major commands we see here are, do not fear, and be strong and courageous. Do not fear and be dismayed and be strong and courageous. So as we look at these two things today to see how this leads us to Christ, how this applies to us in Jesus, I want to ask you a couple questions as we move forward. First, what causes you fear? And what does fear look like in your life? I don't want to camp out on my fear of snakes or your fear of spiders. Let's go a little deeper than that. What causes you fear? What does fear look like in your life? You could have fear, very practical fears of an uncertain set of circumstances, maybe financial tension or tension at work. Maybe you have fear of what is coming for you in this next season. Some of you are students looking forward to uh, maybe graduation or uh, completing this season of an internship or something. You don't know what's next for you. And maybe there's this uncertainty that is causing you fear. Maybe you have some sort of relational fear. Maybe you're single and you're saying, look, I have a fear of being alone. Maybe you have health concerns that are causing you stress. Maybe you have a fear of what's coming next in the future. Maybe there are even spiritual fears, such as I'm afraid that God will not love me or accept me because of my past. I I, I pray that that is not the case, but I also recognize that that's been in my own heart in times of my life, that God maybe has not accepted me or maybe I'm not forgiven from my past or maybe I'm not good enough to stand before the Lord. What causes you fear? The great writer Hemingway said, courage is grace under pressure. And I love that quote. And if I try to look at that through a biblical lens, I think, well, I don't want to have fear. I want to have courage. I want to have courage moving forward. And so often we can look at our fear and say, I don't want to have fear. I want to have courage. And then we try to find ways to build ourselves up in courage. So here's the second question I have for you. Not only do we want us to look at our own fears today, what does fear look like and and what is it that you fear, what causes fear in your life, but secondly, what are some ways you try to bolster courage in your life? Sometimes we can be very self-sufficient and self-determined to say, well... If I can just change my circumstances, then I will be more courageous and bold in my life. If I can just maybe get a little more money in the bank or maybe build different kind of relationships or maybe move to a different place or get a different job. Maybe if I can be more spiritual and religious, maybe then I can be more bold in my faith if I can do X, Y, and Z. Because friends, when we're faced with uncertainty, we tend to often do one of two things. Number one, we tend to fear And number two, we tend to try to make ourselves bold and courageous. I want to tell you something. Both of those things lack the gospel. There is no gospel of Jesus in fear, and there is no gospel of Jesus in self-sufficient courage bolstering. And we often do one of those two things, or oftentimes both. What I want us to see today is that the command from God to Do not fear or be dismayed, and for the command to be strong and courageous are both deeply rooted in the gospel. So if we fear, we are forgetting the gospel of Christ. And if we think we can make ourselves courageous and strong in our own self-sufficiency and do-good-ism, we are missing the gospel. And so, I want us to see how this passage of Scripture points Israel to lean in on the Lord and how this leads you and I to Jesus Christ so that we may lean in on Christ, so that we may not fear, and so that we may become strong and courageous. I want us to see that today because God conquers fear in several different ways. And we see in this passage a few things I want us to, to take away to see how this leads us to the gospel of Christ today. God conquers fear. And supplies courage through his word, through his actions, through his people, and by his presence. The four aspects of this story that lead us to Jesus is that God conquers fear and supplies courage by his word, through his action, through his people, and by his presence. So first, let's look at God's word. Fear is conquered and courage is supplied when we see Christ revealed in Scripture, when we recount the promises of God and follow his commandments. That's God's God's word for us. Look at verse seven. Or let's start at verse six. Be strong and courageous, do not fear. There's the command. Be strong and courageous, do not fear or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God goes with you, he will not leave or forsake you. That's a promise. Verse 7, Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. Verse 7 is a huge statement. It, it, the, the be strong and courageous, do not fear, and go be obedient here is rooted in the promise that the Lord had sworn to his people, to, to the ancestors of Israel, to the patriarchs, to the fathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God has sworn to their fathers to give them this. God, through his word, by his word, made a promise. So, Do not fear. Be strong and courageous is rooted in God's word, rooted in his promises. Do not be in dread of them. It is the Lord who goes with you. That's a promise. He will not leave or forsake you. That's a promise. Be strong and courageous. You shall go with his people to the land God has sworn to their fathers. It's generations upon generations of God repeatedly making promises by his word, giving his word to his people for generations. I am a God of promise. I am a God of a covenant fatherhood over you. I am a God who will make good on my promise to give my people possession of this land. So friends, fear is conquered, courage is supplied when we look at God's word, his promises in his word. Secondly, when we look at his commandments, because God is commanding them to not fear. He's commanding them to be strong and courageous. He's commanding them to go do something. And look at even what he says in verse 5. He says, the Lord will give them over to you and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. If you look down in the rest of of, uh, chapter 31, there are numerous times that that God is making commandments to his people. And this has been pretty much the whole theme of the book of Deuteronomy, As God is saying, look, I'm I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do good by you. You are going to be my people. I am your God. I am your father. You are my children. I want things to go well for you in this land that I'm giving you to possess. Therefore, obey my commandments." Do what I am commanding you to do. It is for your good. It is for your joy. It is for my glory. It is so that things will go well for you and your children and your children's children after you. So friends, I want us to, to look at this in light of Jesus. When, when, we, when we go through life riddled with things that cause us fear and trying to be strong and courageous in our own right, well, I want us to just to pause and look at God's word. Recount God's promises to his people throughout generations. To, to look at God's commandments and say, Look, if I, if, if I want to strive in life with no fear, if I want to conquer fear, if I want to grow in, in boldness and strength and courage in my faith and in my practical life, it involves following the commandments of God. It, it is grace motivated obedience. It's not moralistic, it's not religious. It is grace-motivated obedience. And I think we often just forget that aspect of the gospel. We say, well, you know, I'm saved by grace through faith. I can do what I want. No, God's saying, look, you're saved by grace through faith so that you can walk in obedience, so that I I, I can bless you, so that you can thrive as my people. In fact, Jesus says this in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love Jesus, you will keep his commandments. If you love God, you will follow God's commandments. 1 John 3.24, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So friends, if you're like me and you want to conquer fear and have courage through life, both in faith and both practical living, we have to look at God's word. We look at his promises. We look at his commandments and and again, I say this, this all leads us to Jesus. We know that all of scripture is leading us to Jesus. Luke twenty-four, forty-four. Jesus says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So friends, first and foremost, God conquers fear and supplies strength and courage by his word, God's word. His promises, His revelation, His commandments. So what does this look like in your life? Are are you um, connected to God's word at all? I mean, we uh, try to have our worship gatherings saturated with scripture, with readings, with songs that are informed by scripture, with the reading and preaching of scripture. We, We want to have our missional communities and DNA groups centered around God's word. We want to help you get in a personal Bible study We want to help you learn to read the word of God because within God's word, we see his promises, his revelation, his his commandment, things that are for his glory and your good, for our joy, so that we will be people not living in fear, not living in guilt and shame, but people who are living in strength and courage in the gospel. So let us know what we can do for you. We have Bibles here. I will go buy you the Bible of your choice. If it's like a gospel Bible, I'm not going to buy you like a weird Bible, but like. <laughs> first of all, God's word. Secondly, I want to see this. Fear is conquered and courage is supplied when we recount God's action in history. You see, I love this happens numerous times in the Old Testament and in the book of Deuteronomy. Is, is anytime that there's a command, there, there's also like, by the way, let us remember what God has done. There's always this remembrance of what God has done, how God has proven faithful in his promises, how God has proven his goodness to his people. He has continually shown his grace and goodness to his people. God always gives action as evidence of who he is. I love that. And so that happens right at the beginning of chapter 31. Look at verse 3. The Lord your God himself will go before you, He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken, and the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land where he destroyed them, and the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. You see, that that statement of doing the commandment that has been commanded to them is rooted back not only in God's word, but God's action. Let's look back and see what God has done. Sihon and Og, these are real guys. I know it sounds like something out of like a Tolkien novel, but these are real guys that God did amazing things and said, I'm going to just wipe this kingdom out of the way and give this land to my people to show off how good and gracious God is. So, so friends, we look at God's action throughout history. In fact, if you just pause for a minute and say, look, I'm not as schooled on the Bible as I want to be. I'm not as schooled in, in, in history as maybe you want to be. That's okay, we can start by looking at creation. Like, like seriously, there was a meteor shower a couple days ago, I tried to look at it, but there were lights from the neighborhood and kind of overcast, so I kind of missed it. But just look at creation. That, that In fact, the psalmist says in Psalm 19, "...the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork." So... It's okay if you're not as schooled in the Bible as you want to be. That's, that's fine. Let's start by this. How about go for a walk outside this afternoon? It's a good start. Just take a few minutes to, to like marvel at the leaves that are starting to change color. Literally take time to smell roses or like have a honeysuckle. Or just do, do something. Take a moment to, to look at the stars in Silence. Because the psalmist writes, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. So, so friends, if you want to just have a moment to pause and, and to recognize how the gospel of the Lord conquers our fear and gives us courage, man, look, at, look at God's action throughout creation. Just marvel at that. Go enjoy some nature. It's, there's something very biblical about that. It really is. Just walk. <laughs> look at God's redemptive actions throughout history. This is what Israel does. They say, hey, look. I mean, you know, we can look back and say, hey, the psalmist says, look at nature, but but also look at God's specific action throughout history. This is why Israel can uh, repeatedly looks back to what God did during. To Exodus, that, that God not only made good on his promises with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but look, look how God freed thousands of people from bondage in Egypt and, and led them for 40 years through a desert, providing food and water. Their shoes didn't wear out, look, they're, they're cl- they had clothing while they wandered for 40 years. God made good on his promises by, by through his action, giving them, literally just giving them land and and moving people out of the way so that God's people could move into this land. God acts throughout Old Testament history, throughout the New Testament. If you look throughout church history, the past 2,000 years, God has done some amazing things. And friends, look at current events today. if, If you're thinking, I have no reason to fear, look at the news, get freaked out a little bit, But then look at what God is doing in the midst of some really hard situations. I I read, uh, you know, I just, the news just kills me anytime I hear about ISIS or any of these uh, radical groups doing terrible things. And just last week, I read that there was um, a Christian uh, man uh, in Syria who was, Uh, became a Christian through a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church, a CNMA church that we're part of that denomination. Uh, This man was martyred for his faith, shot in the head because he's a Christian. And, and, And I hear this and my heart sinks and I fear of what is happening in the world, but then I have to step back and hear about how there are house churches in hostile areas right now like ISIS-controlled territories. There are underground Christians thriving in-house. There are converts being made amidst oppression. There are converts being made in the wake of martyrs. Right now, like last week, there are people being shot and beheaded for their faith and then day within the days following people are coming to faith in Jesus friends that is God doing work in history right that that causes me to freak out when I look at the news and hear that but then when I hear but but wait a second God's good God that it's it's tragic that that one man or that those three men or that those 12 people were martyred but look what's happening in the wake of that People are coming to faith. God's spirit is moving. God is doing redemptive acts in the midst of oppression today. So friends, when you tune in to the current events of the news, dig a little deeper and maybe look at some other Christian avenues to see God's redemptive work in it. Okay? Look at the redemptive works not only through biblical history, through church history, through current events. Look at redemptive work in your life. Do you ever pause and look back and say, well, wow, I mean, I'll be 38 this year. I became a Christian when I was eight. So I have like three decades of God doing redemptive work in my life. And you can actually see redemptive work happening before I was a Christian. Do you ever pause and look at what God has done to redeem aspects of your life, aspects of your family, aspects of friendships that you have. Friends, I want us to to look back together because God conquers fear and gives us courage through his word. God does that through his action. In fact, Paul writes to Titus in Titus 2.14 that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Let's look at that New Testament observation and just talk about it. Like meet with a friend, meet with your family and just, just discuss what God has done to bring redemption to light in your life. How has God been at work in redemption in your life? So God conquers fear, Supplies courage through his word, by his action. Thirdly, I want us to see this. God does this through his people. God does this through his people. Look at this, is where it gets kind of fun, because you're like, really? I don't like people, that's okay. God uses people. Fear is conquered and courage is supplied when, God, when we see God's grace through his people. You see, if you look at, If you just read the Bible, the Bible is slap full of losers and then Jesus. Do you know that? The Bible is not a book of heroes. It's a book about one hero amidst a bunch of riffraff. You're like, well, how dare you talk about King David? Oh, you mean the adulterer and the murderer and the liar, King David? Yeah. How, How about Moses? Moses killed a guy. Moses had lots of doubt and anger issues. In fact, that was part of the reason why he didn't get to go into the promised land. The man had a temper. I can relate to that guy. Joshua, the priests, the leaders in the Old Testament, even the New Testament guys like Peter. Peter was a foul-mouthed fisherman. I can't wait to meet him in heaven. Right? Paul uh, had some pride issues a little bit. Right? The Bible is slap full of imperfect people, but look how God uses them. We look in chapter 31 about... Chapter 31 is not about Moses passing the baton to Joshua. It's not. Chapter 31 of Deuteronomy is about God saying, I'm using this guy Moses, I'm about to bring him home to me, and now I'm going to use this guy Joshua. To show off my glory, my grace, to make good on my promises. If you look at chapter 31, it's all about the Lord himself doing something. And then there's Joshua. That should give you a little bit of hope. Because God reveals his goodness, his grace through imperfect people, through broken people like Moses, like Joshua, like the priests in the Old Testament, like like the apostles in the New Testament, like Peter, like Paul, like me like you right you go to any church any pastor any group of Christian leaders in a Christian ministry that maybe you've benefited from or a part of imperfect people man imperfect men and women and for some reason God chooses to hit straight shots with crooked sticks praise the Lord and we see that in the Old Testament in the New Testament and through our lives today. You know why? It's because God is the hero. It's just to show us how good God is, to show us how gracious the Lord is. In fact, it should conquer our fear and give us courage when we look around and see how imperfect God's people are and say, well, if God can love and accept that guy, surely he can love and accept me. If God can can forgive that young lady, surely he can forgive me. So friends, look around at God's people throughout history. Moses, Joshua, David, Peter, Paul, John. Look at church history. Look at church community around you. In fact, that's another part of God's people is not only the imperfect leaders, but the imperfect community. Look at, look at verse 12, if you have your Bible open. Uh, so what, what, what they do is they say, Moses is like, hey, I'm old. Uh, it's just like how it opens. It's like, hey, um, let me get everybody together. I'm 120. Just kind of when I when I heard this, when I read this, uh, I was thinking about, about like, you know, the scene in, uh yeah, the Lord of the Rings. You know, like the 111st birthday. Oh, I, just, I just I picture Moses saying, "Hey, everybody, just want to let you know I'm old, and uh, I'm just having problems going out and coming in. I just I'm not going to go into that land." And he calls everybody together gives them and recounts what God has done, and history charges them to obey god's word, and then in verse nine, they get everybody together like around the Ark of the covenant, which is like a big symbol of god's presence it's a symbol of worship. They get the elders of of the um people together, and look at verse twelve <laughs> um Verse 12 and 13. Assemble the people. I wish we could just start church. Assemble the people. You know? Assemble the people. Men, women, little ones. The sojourner within your towns. That they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God. And be careful to do all the words of this law. That their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as you live in the land that you were going over to the Jordan to possess. You see, God works through his people, not only the leaders such as Moses, Joshua, the priests, and the elders of Israel, but also the men, the women, the little ones. It's such a cute word to me. I don't know why I just say this. get the little ones together. Get, get the kids. The sojourners, that means the guests that means the foreigners maybe who are, who are passing through and just kind of settling in the camp just for a season. I mean, it means get everybody together because God is at work in and through his people, as imperfect as they are, whether they be imperfect leaders or an imperfect community. So friends, how are you witnessing the grace of God at work in others? And are you experiencing in your life uh, grace that is influencing others? Because God uses an imperfect community to conquer fear and supply courage. And it's really good news for us. Lastly, I want us to see this. This is my favorite part. Because God does amazing things through his word. He does amazing things through his actions. God does amazing things through his people. But listen to this. God does amazing things. He conquers fear, supplies courage by his presence. The presence of God. Verse 3 says, The Lord your God himself will go before you. Verse 6 be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. It is the Lord your God who goes with you. And verse 8 it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Friends, Fear is conquered and courage is supplied when we realize that God is with us. God is with his people through hard times, through good times, when those dark sinful struggles hit you at three in the morning, when, when you can't sleep because you're wrestling with guilt or shame or fear from your past or present. God is with you in those moments. God is with his martyrs before they die. He is with those who are being persecuted and imprisoned right now. God is with his people during joy and during hardship. He goes before them. He is with them. He will not leave them. He will not forsake them. Therefore, do not fear or be dismayed. It's good news for us. It was good news for Israel. In fact, it was such good news that this statement, do not fear or be dismayed, you know, he will be with you, he will not leave or forsake you, that is, that is referred to by the writer of Hebrews in the New Testament later who says the same thing, I will never leave you or forsake you. Re- referring to how Christ secures that promise for you and I. Christ Jesus secures that promise for you and I. In fact, Jesus even says this during the Great Commission as he says, hey, you are my people, I, you know, I have lived amongst you, I have taught you, I have revealed the goodness of the Father to you, I have lived, died, come back to life to, to forgive sin for my people and Jesus' last words in the Gospel of Matthew is all authority on the heaven and on the earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you And behold, I am with you always. To the end of the age. It's good news, right? The presence of the Lord with us always. So here's what I want us to do, friends, as we approach a time of response. I want us all to pause and repent of fear. Repent of fear. God tells his people repeatedly throughout the Old Testament and into the, Old, into the New Testament, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. That command is, is, is used more than any other command in the Bible. Just Google it. Do not fear. Do not fear. Repent of fear. Repent of fear. R- repent of fear. Because fear comes from distrust, it comes from doubt, it comes from not believing God's promises, it comes from not believing that Jesus is who he says he is, and that he did what he said he would do. So repent of that. Just, just confess it to the Lord and say, God, I'm doubting, I'm distrusting, I'm fearful, and repent of that, whether it's something big and cosmic like your fear of forgiveness and love and acceptance by God. Repent of that. Repent of even fear of god not providing for you whether that's providing financially or providing relationally or providing direction for this next season of life for you I'm you know that those things occur to all of us at some point in time so repent of those things and lean in on a father who loves you lean in on god the father who loves you and on christ who has redeemed you we also need to repent of prideful self-sufficient quote unquote courage just If you're trying to do these things without Jesus, you're trying to do these things without trusting the Father, that's pride, and that needs to be repented of as well. No matter how good or smart or skilled or crafty or whatever, that's not courage, It's foolishness if Jesus is not in it. <laughs> so repent of prideful, self-sufficient, quote-unquote, courage, and lean in on the Father who loves you. Lean in on Jesus who has redeemed you. And believe, may we all believe the good news of Jesus and see God at work through his word, through his action, through his people, and through his presence. That's grace to you and I, and that's good news. And as we have a time of response, there's a few ways that you can think about these things. You can, uh, the musicians are going to come back up and lead us in music. And you can respond by singing along or staying where you are, meditating or recounting scripture or praying. Um, There is a giving basket in the back. If you were part of the ministry of redemption, there's a a basket right there in the back that you can give um, uh, tithes and offerings as a form of worship. Also before you, you will see communion is set. Um, This is a way for us to remember who Christ is and what he's done for us, purchasing uh, us from Satan, sin, and death to, to redeem us back from those things and to draw us closer to himself and to each other. And so it's a way for us to worship by remembrance and proclaim that good news of Christ over one another uh, and to each other as we uh, participate in that. So if you are a believer, we invite you to come and tear off the bread and dip it in the wine or juice as an act of remembrance. Uh, if you're not a believer, we ask that you just stay where you are, and rather than take communion, we invite you to take Christ to, um, to understand the gospel, to embrace the good news of Jesus. Uh, just on a logistical note, if you were... Um, We do have a a special uh, blue bowl over here and a separate uh, separate crackers for those who maybe um, have uh, gluten issues or allergies, Uh, so just be aware of that. If you have those, the blue bowl is for you, and there's a separate thing over here. I'm going to read this um, from Scripture as we do this. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, The cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the saving death of the risen Lord until he comes. Pray with me. Father God in heaven, thank you for your goodness to your people, uh, to all generations. And Lord, I ask now, as we have a time of response, that your spirit would indeed be at work in our hearts and minds. God, that you would stir us all up to... Uh, An active, joyful faith, and God, uh, that you would draw us to repent of fear and repent of pride. God, um, that you would uh, quiet our fears, and that your good news of your saving grace through Christ would would be so much louder than the voices of fear and the voices of pride. And so, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, by your Spirit, work through your word into our hearts and minds, that you would work. Um, through your actions. God, that we would recount your actions throughout history and in our own lives. Uh, And God, that we would just literally look around at creation and be amazed at how powerful and wonderful you are. God, that we would be able to see your grace at work in each other's lives through community. Uh, God, even in perfect community, God, even as we look back and and maybe imperfect things that have happened through people and communities in our past, maybe we can see the redemptive element there. And God, that we would look and see how grace is at work in our families, in this church, through our circle of friends. Uh, God, even through the lives of believers and non-believers alike. And God, I pray that we would, um, by your spirit, know the promise of your presence with us always. And God, that that would give us great joy, that that good news would propel us on through action and to live lives of um, saturated grace, joy, hope, and faith all of our days. God, we ask that you would do these things for your glory and our joy, and that the gospel of Jesus would advance to the nations. In his name we pray, amen.